Hi, my name is Rachel Flickstein. Hi, my name is Chayla Tsukernik. Hi, I'm Rachel Deitch. Hi, my name is Alana Kornfeld. Hello, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored in memory of Holly Skolkin, Chaya Tehila Bas Yisrael, following her 10th yard site. Holly lived to do a favor for another and uplifted and inspired so many with her goodness, kindness, and beautiful spirit. We look forward to the day when we will be united with her and all our loved ones with the coming of Mashiach now. Dedicated by her sister, Bela Cutler, and her nieces, Ita and Leah Rachel. Thank you for making today's episode happen. To sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast on Patreon, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash humanandholy, or email us at humanholy at gmail.com. Today's episode is a little different than the usual. It is an excerpt of a live panel that I hosted for the Young Women's Kinos, which is an annual convention for young women in their 20s and 30s that happens over the Chatvei Shvat weekend. So it just happened a couple weeks ago. We had four women, each sharing what Jewish femininity means to them. What is the uniquely feminine way of connecting with God? What responsibilities do we have to our families? And what responsibilities do we have to the world? I'll start with woman in a relationship with Hashem, personal, private, individual relationship. There's woman as the foundation of the home, which is a very internal role that no one else can see besides for you and your family. And then there's also woman as leader in the world and woman's responsibility to lead the world towards Mashiach in that distinctly feminine way. So let's start with woman as a Karis bias. It's a very abstract concept. Like no one really knows exactly how to define it. What does it mean to be the foundation of the home? Because a lot of people say it doesn't mean to do the practical things. Like the practical things can be outsourced. So then what does it mean, right? What is the definition? If you had to define a Karis bias, how would you do so? I would define a charisma bias as the thermostat in the home. I think like a thermostat decides what temperature the house will be. That's how a woman really is in her own home. She can bring joy. For those of you that watched the gem video last night, the Rebbe spoke about the impact that women can have and how much joy they can bring into the home. And I think that we have that power to do so. When we're happy, the home will be happy. And when we're stressed or anxious, the home will be stressed or anxious. And there are so many other things that women have to do as the Akaris bias, but I think the core of it is how you're going to set the tone of the home and what that thermostat is going to look like. So it's like a natural reflection of where you are. Exactly. Yeah. 
I agree with that. But I feel like the role of being an affairs advisor is something that goes beyond the home. A lot of my journey was surrounded about femininity within Judaism. And I was listening to a class by Mrs. Brenda Schaefer, where she was talking about the idea of the feminine movement and what was the Rebbe's response to the feminine movement. And he never came out and like specifically said one thing, like one way or the other. And she, as a mother of daughters at the time, was confused. What should she do with her own daughters? Should she train them to be in the home and with her children? Or should she train them that they can have any career like anyone else in the world? So she said at the same time, there are all these bulletin boards that were going up on the highways, and they were all saying, Jewish women and girls should light Shabbos candles. And this was when Mitzvah was really launched at the same time as the feminist movement. And she said it became very clear to her that this was the Rebbe's answer. A woman, a girl, a Jewish woman is someone who lights Shabbos candles wherever they go. And she said her, her daughter actually ended up going into medicine. And when she was in medical school, it came time to work with the cadaver, which is the dead body that they dissect to learn about the body and the organs. And the first day was just an introduction. So they're all standing around the cadavers and like making these crude jokes and like feeling really awkward. And she said like the energy of the room was just really crass. She left feeling like really not good about it. And she spoke to her mother that night, sharing with her what her experience was. And the next day, she went back, and now it's time to actually work with the cadavers. And all of a sudden, it popped up in her mind a halakha that she learned when she was in school for Tara, after a person passes away, before they touch the body and clean it, they first ask forgiveness from the person who is deceased, that they're about to touch the body, and that they don't mean disrespect, they're doing it with the utmost honor for the mitzvah of Tara. And she remembered this, and so she leaned over to the cadaver, and she started asking for forgiveness and thanking the person for donating their body, that she could learn about medicine and save lives. Then she said when she was whispering, she stood up, and the whole room was looking at her, <laughs> quiet, and like, tell us what you just did. So she explained the halakha, and she explained what she did, and she said the whole atmosphere was totally transformed. And the rest of the period, there was almost a kadusha that was in the room just from her connecting that halacha to this experience. That's what it means to be a Jewish woman. That wherever you go, you're responsible to like the Shabbos candles. And it's not that you have to just be at home washing dishes and doing laundry and taking care of the kids, although those are all very, very amazing things in and of itself. But that's not the only definition of being in a parent's And I think that that goes with the thermostat idea that you're saying that wherever we are, it's in a home especially, but everywhere we go with that thing set. And you can be drawn to the energy that we give off when we're lighting the shots and we're transforming ourselves and therefore transforming the world us. That was really beautiful. That was beautiful. Uh, so nice to see it as a state of being wherever you are, not just in relation to the home. And it also is relevant for people who haven't yet found their soulmates. So they're still in that charisma bias in their life. And in trying myself to figure out what exactly it meant, being somebody that's not a huge fan of the domestic responsibilities, put it mildly. So I really connected with the idea of it's about mood and energy. And I sense that in my home, whether I have guests or my own family, everyone's sort of looking at me to like see are we happy now are we sad now is this good is this bad are we stressed are we calm how are we reacting in this situation and realizing that are we annoyed by the halakha are we excited about it 
So just really understanding that responsibility and strength and power that so much of my energy and how I view things is the spirit that happens in my house. There's always a challenge that comes along with it. It's like the my mood and my energy is very much impacting my home and I'm also a woman with hormones and you know the fluctuation and that could be like as equally challenging as it is my responsibility so just learning how important it is to be in a good space and to do the things that are required for me to be in a good space both in how I perceive my Judaism and how I perceive myself and my family and all these things so that when I'm showing up you know I'm showing up in a way that's contributing so I, I do think like we always have zelo masela the degree to which you're powerful will probably be the degree to which you're challenged in that area. And I do think women really are challenged when it comes to their mood. I don't know how else to put it, right? Like the fluctuation of their mood. So, yeah. We grew up watching like all our aunts and our cousins' wedding videos. And I remember this one woman giving my aunt a bracha, like they went around the table. Not sure why I watched all those brachas when I was young, but she tells my aunts, and just remember one thing. Yes, the man is the head of the home, but the woman is the neck. And wherever the neck moves, the head moves with it. <laughs> that kind of like sits in my head. And I think about like the care of and the role that we have. You know, bouncing off of what everyone said, we're actually making the atmosphere and the energy and all that. And I'll continue what I was saying before that. When we have that confidence of knowing who we are without the confusion of not to say that there's no struggles and I don't want to be a stay-at-home mother, I'm much more than that, and whatever it is, everyone on their own personal journey, but when we feel confident and really understand who we are and not feel like we have to fight for women's rights, like we're not just sleeping at home and doing laundry and baby makers, then we'll actually have that confidence to make those good moves and bring happiness into a place that we're happy to be there. I love how there was like a threat that everyone was talking about this idea of how where you are holding internally naturally extends to your environment. Even people who don't have children or people who are not married, like there's that idea that that internal space that we are in, how it holistically influences our environment sometimes actually usually without us even trying that there is something about just knowing that where I'm holding is going to impact the people around me and I love how you said that about the Shabbos candles just that like being a leader is an extension of being in a paradise. the Rebbe says in a Sikha that it's not always about going outside the home sometimes it's about stretching the borders of the home and welcoming more people inside not keeping it like purely for your family but actually including others inside of it so I want to talk about that. What does it mean to light up the people around us? What does it mean to be a leader in the world in a distinctly feminine way? Again, like this is something that the Rebel was really big on, is that women becoming leaders doesn't mean women becoming masculine leaders. So what does it mean to lead in a feminine way? What does it mean to be a shloha in a feminine way? What is the distinction there between, like is a Rebetzin or a female leader just a rabbi without a title? Or is she something else? And is she something else for she? Actually, it's funny you say that because there's a conservative rabbi in my community who's very friendly and we have a great relationship. He comes with his family for Shabbos. And one time he said to me, it's such a shame that you didn't become a rabbi. 
<laughs> and I was like, that's so degrading. You don't recognize my value as a woman that I have to be a man's role. I mean, obviously in his mind, it's not a man's role, which is why he said that. But anyway, it's just funny you said it like that. Like, do I need to be a rabbi to be a Jewish leader in our community? And I'll say that I think the way of femininity is actually coming from within. And I think that also goes so much with everything we're saying. How do you light up another person and how do you show yourself as a leader? How do you become somebody that people want to emulate? And I can just speak for myself. Those that I want to emulate are the people that are constantly growing and working on themselves. And when I see that they have the ability to transform themselves, I'm inspired that I can also do that. And so I think it starts from within, that when we are working within, and that affects the mood, and that affects our ability to shine light, and when it's darkness, are real tangible skills that are given over to us through Hasidus that literally can be totally transformative in the way that we perceive ourselves and others. And usually we go through the day and we're like on a roller coaster of emotions based on what's happening to me and who said what to me and how it happened, whatever the experiences are. And we're so manipulated by our environment. And the feminine way is not to have it be an outside in, but to have it be inside out that I want to find my place of stability so that when I'm going through all of these things, I'm not on this emotional roller coaster, but I have an emotional calm and connection that maintains my inner light that then can end up affecting my surroundings instead of the surroundings affecting me. I think that's our feminine ability is to really internalize and work from within and that that's what exudes outwards. So it's not like getting up and needing to like bash it over someone's head, but by being that dogma and by showing people what it's about and being real, it's like the grassroots from below and showing up to I have a few different thoughts, but just like directly connects to what you're saying as a female leader. So I have some of my former students in the room and I don't know if as a teacher I'm so female. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I could be a little... You said give it over the head. Maybe, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes, um, yeah, that in a more humorous way. I can apologize to those here if I was <laughs> too masculine in my instruction. So I think it's interesting because we talk about the woman leading the way for Shia, and you mentioned before Malchus, and also we associate woman with Bina, and Bina is details, and femininity has a lot to do with details. So, for example, this past Shabbos in my house, the girls were discussing the flowers on the table and the men at the table were commenting, like, why are you having a conversation about the flowers? <laughs> and, you know, the rabbi says how the woman makes sure to have, like, beautiful things in her home. And Mashiach is about how Hashem is in every detail of physicality. So we can totally get stuck in the details and obviously forget the bigger picture, but being connected with details and feeling like details are important, that allows us to bring Hashem into those very detailed spaces. So I care about my flowers on my Shabbos table. That's a detail that Hashem's coming into. You know, my heart, thank God, my husband also contributes to Shabbos. And if I'm not there for Shabbos, he'll make Shabbos. The table looks different. The style is different. So there's that very detailed approach and the opportunity to bring Hashem really into physical details and show how even this is also part of our service for Hashem. It's not unnecessary. It brings beauty, beauty to my Shabbos table that is now something that is a part of 
Hashem's world, Hashem's palace, Hashem's garden. And again, I'm always pointing out the flip side that could get us tripped up. Those details, we can get very stuck in them. So having that understanding that being a um, woman, we care about details in order to bring the Kedusha to the details, not for the details to own us or destroy us. You know, what you were saying before, when you're going through your day and there's, you know, are you reactive to all the stimuli? So again, as a woman, being malchus, you receive from outside of you, so you are taking it. So maybe it's about being selective about who you take from. Who is your provider? Is it Hashem? There's so much content, and what am I receiving from? Like checking in with myself, who, who and where do I receive from, and does it nurture and cultivate my femininity and my confidence and my power, or does it make me feel less than and vulnerable and scared and not safe? So just then I can, you know, re-emit that confidence and that strength, the, the awareness of you know, the female characteristics and knowing that being like clear on my vision and goal, you know, how I want to go about it. I think the feminine aspect that women have is that we are able to connect with other women on a very different and deeper level. We have the three mitzvahs that were, you know, designated just for women. And we have those opportunities to connect to other girls during that time. So, like, how amazing it is to have, like, a cooking demo and to just talk in that non-stressful environment. Those times when we did Shabbos in under an hour or holidays, like, I connected with women that I would have never otherwise connected with. Talking about Tars and Shabbat is so beyond my comfort zone, like it really pushes me. I actually had a story recently with Robinson Honolulu Rychek, her husband, Shimmy Rychek, who this whole, you know, event is in honor of, asked me at Shiva to speak to a woman in my preschool about going to Nikma. She had a child in my school, she was pregnant, and she hadn't gone to Nikma since the wedding. And I I just met her just a couple months ago, just this year, and I'm not that like strong, loud, powerful shlucha who feels comfortable talking to anybody, especially about this. And she asked me, like at Shiva, and she said it would be so special if she went to the next and elevate the Shema So I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to say no to this? So I was like, Okay. <laughs> and I saw her at carpool and I thought, okay, like I'm gonna come over and say like your child is such a wonderful day it's going, by the way, I also want to talk to you about something I've been thinking about, you know? So I did on one foot and we made a time to talk the next day. And we spoke the next day and she took me really off guard. All my worst fears came to life. <laughs> where she was really upset. She felt like she was being bulldozed. So the fact that I told her that it was like in honor of Rabbi Rajik's Nishama, you know? She was like, You're putting so much pressure on me. I explained to her, like, if you don't know me well enough, I just want you to know we never 
do this ever. <laughs> I'm doing this going out of my comfort zone because I really think it's important to just have this conversation. If you don't want to do it, you shouldn't do it. Like you should only do this if you feel comfortable. It came out that she had gone to the bathroom. She felt so uncomfortable because they looked her up and down without a towel covering her body. And she felt exposed and vulnerable and almost like disgusted. And she never wanted to go to the mikvah again. But after me talking to her about the special impact that going to the mikvah has, and she was pregnant, and she did have a first really challenging childbirth, and she was hoping for a good one. We ended the conversation really, it was like two hours later, but beautiful, you know, and she was, she felt good about it and confident about it. She ended up going to the mikvah. Again, I, you know, I shared her many times, like, I will never know if you go to the mikvah or not. You know, I'm just here to teach and to inspire, but she did end up going and she had her dream childbirth just a week later, actually. And so it was really, you know, beautiful. And lighting candles also, when... We have guests in our home who don't traditionally light or we do it in Chabad House. And all of the women gather together to light. You know, it's a special time where you cover your eyes and you say a blessing for anything that you need in your life or someone else needs in your life. And oftentimes during that time, it's extremely emotionally charged, especially with these three mitzvahs. We have a very unique feminine role in connecting with other people. Uh, may I have one thing to say yeah. I think also woman leadership is about the individual. That was like such a story of leadership. And that was from one person. And that's another aspect of leadership, of feminine leadership, is that it's about the one. So, so they feel and they hear your sincerity that's unique to women. Along with that confidence. You know, they hear that and they feel that and they're more receptive to change and to listen and to open up our heart to that. We're talking about how being a leader as a woman is a direct extension of our role as the thermostat of the home. But I'm wondering, because we live in a, an imperfect world and we don't always achieve this like perfect integration just because we're humans, have you ever felt the tension? feeling like you were pulled in two different directions and have you been able to either really find like the synthesis between the two roles or maybe for you to take balance? Like what has been your relationship between at once being a leader outside of the home and also being focused on your immediate environment and that immediate integration into your family, people around you, et cetera, your smaller circle? The first thing that comes to my mind is the balance. It's about when the meltdown starts. I've been out too many nights this week. <laughs> So, something that I have discussed with my mashpia more than once about what is this balance of being completely present in my home, my children not feeling like I'm going anywhere, and then also my role as a contributor to the community. So, there was really two things, which is, there is always going to be this potential like doing and then realizing that it's time to take a step back and just be home really just practically like not have anywhere just for my children to feel like I'm not going anywhere and I'm not running and I'll be around and then also on the flip side that it is a valuable thing for my children that 
their mother is a teacher, that their mother is a leader, and that that's something that I'm not doing despite them, I'm doing for them, and it's something that contributes to me and it contributes to our home and it contributes to their world. So really involving them in the conversation and the experience. So if obviously something can be in my home, that's ideal, and hopefully to have the space one day. And explain to my children, you know, like let's say we at Yochbad and just had our little family Fabringen at our supper table, and now I'm going to a Fabringen with my students or with other teachers. So you know, it's it's a Yochbad for how like a mommy's Fabringen, you know. So some way of it being like something that's combined. And just speaking to my children about the idea of being a teacher, being a contributor. So it's like it's like a, it's a family value that their parents actively represent, but they're a part of. And if there's something that's happening in our home, then obviously giving them opportunities to share and speak. But that really helped me not feel guilty. Like I'm running off, and like, is it compromising them? To like bounce off of what you're saying, most of the events that I run actually I run out of my home unless it's like a bigger one. We actually do here at this facility. So I definitely made like a conscious effort that my kids should feel at least like you know from the age of whatever we talk. The other ones, so girls I've never met before unless they're overshot today, but that they should somewhat be involved. If there's an activity or something going on. They can stay up a little later and then go to sleep. Also, sometimes I'm juggling a lot just in one day between work and then there's an event. I kind of like allow myself the space to be like, it's okay. You won't have your ideal supper tonight. You look at lucky duck, make a book home or a pizza or whatever. And guess what? The kids definitely are not complaining. And I'm also very grateful. I rely on my husband's help and support, especially on those days where I definitely can do that. I always say, as soon as my husband quits on me, we're going to have to shut down because it's not going to work. You can know that you have huge responsibilities, but still know where your priorities lay. And for me, my priority is always at home. Always, number one, first and foremost. So even if I have to like cancel an event because my children need me, I will. I haven't very often, but I will need me. And my children are absolutely together 100% of Shulchan's with us. All of them have always felt very proud to be Shulchan. Even my older children, I have, you know, like older sons, older daughter. My daughter was in Israel last year. And literally, wherever she goes, she's doing Shulchan's. Like, she's meeting people, she's inviting them to my Shabbos candles cooker, she's inviting them to like talk about Judaism. And so I really think that when you bring Shulchan's into your home life, it just makes them happy and proud. And you don't, yeah, absolutely, it's my purpose. And, and you don't honor the privilege to have this opportunity. So I'm just grateful. Maybe to bring up the different aspects of this. So we said how care bias is at any stage of life. Doesn't just mean when you have your own home and, and children, but this balance that you're talking about is something that exists always. And you know, there's these two sides of ourselves, and there's different ways that you can pose it. It can be taking care of yourself, 
versus taking care of others. It could be taking care of your family versus taking care of your community. It could be, but I think that's like the leader is being a leader to others. And Zakir Sabayis is being there for myself and Zashem and bringing that aspect of myself. And there's a constant struggle between those two things because they seemingly are at odds with each other. They seem like opposites. Like either I'm taking care of myself or I'm busy worrying about other people. But if I say, yeah, like, how can I go take a nap? This one needs my help, right? That's the same question, right? That's the same balance. Like, you're going to go take a nap when someone needs you? Like, how can you say no? Well, that's exactly that struggle that we're talking about. And it's critical that we have that struggle because that's what enables us to stay on the path of serving Hashem. Because if we didn't have that struggle, it was always about one or the other. It was only about being a leader and helping others. That would become our Vajizara. We would start serving the aspect of needing to help others. But because we have that check-in, wait a minute, I also want to take a nap. That's where I have room to make a choice. And it's through choice that we serve Hashem. And the other way, it was all about me and my own growth and taking care of myself and my, my needs, not just... When you talk about our needs, like you were saying, our gashmistic needs are also our rookmistic needs. They're important. It's important to hear ourselves. But if we only have ourselves, then again, that can become our desire that we end up serving ourselves versus serving others instead of serving Hashem. So it's through that opposition within us that we're able to maintain our choice in every situation to serve Hashem. And I think the way to do that is like the Rebbe says, anytime we make a choice, we have to make the two sides equal. And we have to realize that those two sides of ourselves are not as at opposites of each other. In both ways, we're serving Hashem, and therefore they're equally as important. And when we can go to the value that's behind each thing, I'm giving like something I've been about a few times in like a, one sentence, right? But when I can really hear both sides of myself and make it an actual choice, that's how I'm creating that balance and realizing that they go hand in hand with each other. And sometimes one is important and sometimes the other is important. And so not everything is yes, 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 because by saying yes to one thing, I'm saying no to another. I think that like very often when we speak about the role of woman in Yiddishkeit, it's generally in relation to others. So woman in relation to her home, woman in relation to her community as a leader. And obviously like primary, first and foremost, a woman is just a neshama that has a relationship with Hashem and a personal, unique relationship with Hashem. And we have a vaida that is just between us and God, that is not in relation to others. And obviously that's the foundation for everything that comes next, but it's also in and of itself really precious to Hashem, really important. I would love if you could share personal things that you do to nurture your individual relationship with Hashem that does not directly impact others, but just between you and God. I feel like for me personally, Especially since, like, my shuffles are right here with Sharon Cronites, where I'm not dealing with people that are not from, dealing with most girls that went through the system, wherever they were. And when I teach, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to wing it out of the head and blah, blah, blah. I need to put the work and the time into the class. But not only that, I feel like I cannot give something over if I don't internalize it, feel it, and breathe it. Otherwise, like I said, you feel the sincerity or the lack of it, and it's not going to be reciprocated. So I feel like on a personal level, just by teaching, that has made me grow. Like, sometimes I can spend two hours in preparation and just not connecting to this next. 
And I was like, ah, oh, two hours of like question time. And now it's so late and I have to start again. I'm like, I'm not just teaching for the sake of teaching. I need to feel it. I need to internalize it. I need to be able to give it over in a sincere, true way. And the only way to do that is if I connect to it on a personal level. I always say this when I teach. I'm like, I know you feel like you're gaining, but I'm really giving over these classes because I can't do it unless it's like in here and felt that I could give it over. So that's like my personal growth on a personal level. That kind of came on later. I very much resonate with that. I don't teach first Jewish society anymore because we talked about juggling and what was a priority. And at this stage in my life, I have other priorities that I need to spend time on. For me, my personal young 20s was about growth and birthing babies, really. And starting programs in Chabad and all of that. I was just drowning a little bit in my 20s, but in my 30s, I, I had opportunity to like gulp some air. And now, I'm a dinosaur. I'm 40s. <laughs> At 43, I can tell you that I have gained a lot of wisdom and insight into what is meaningful. And I really have connected with my group so much more. So we started a bunch of small things in our home. We watched gem videos every Monday shops together as a family on our small little computer. And that starts our week really beautifully. My husband and I do a long walk up by ourselves. If the kids want to join, they can. Sometimes they do, but they don't have to. I started waking up and coming downstairs, washing the glosser, saying brachas, and giving tzedakah every single morning. Again, that was an inspiration from human and holy. And I do it in denominations of 18. And sometimes it, it just grounds me. So, like... If I think, oh, I'm such a busy day, I haven't given 36 or 54 cents. Like, <laughs> I'm just giving a little bit extra. I, I go to the bank like once a month and I give a $20 bill and I just get tons of coins. And so I have that on my counter every single morning. I try and dive in every single morning before I leave the house. And another gem plug. A few weeks ago, Dorota was talking about how miracles can happen. Really, any miracle can happen. The shepherd can do anything. And we just have to tap into it. And that's why it's important for us to remind ourselves that Hashem took the Yidin out of Mitzrayim. And we say it every single day in Melvin. And so when I say it, Mishma, I really like think about it. any miracle that I need in my life or anybody that I know that needs a miracle. When I say Shema, I say like Echad, like Aleph is one God, and Chas is like seven heavens and one earth, and the Dalit is four corners of the earth. I think like Hashem is everywhere. Hashem can do anything. And then Hashem can take me out of Mitzrayim, and he can take anybody out of Mitzrayim. So I try and meditate on that before I start my day. And I think all of those small little tiny tools help impact my connection to Hashem. And then they impact my home as well, because my kids just see it. Okay, so agree, agree. <laughs> How do you have a different uh, angle? So I agree 100% that when you come to teach, you definitely learn in a different way when you have to give over the material because you have to own it. But what I found is that in addition to learning to teach to other people, I have to learn for myself. And when I'm inspired, that also comes through when I have to give over. Last night there was a shlucha that got up and she was saying, 
when she first started off, she was running every step of the way with little kids and starting a preschool and trying to like survive. And her cousin was not a shlom, and she called me and she's like, oh, so when do you learn Hasidus? And she's like, what? I don't have time to learn Hasidus. Like, I'm a busy shlom, I don't have a second of my day. And she said, now that the years have gone by and she's become more wise, as they say, with age, she realized that it's actually the opposite. It's without learning Hasidus. She doesn't even get through. Like it's a whole different level of operation. You're not drowning. You're not struggling in the world when you're learning. When you're learning, you can breathe. You can have that gulp of fresh air in every single thing that would drown us if we didn't have that oxygen line. So it's so critical to make sure that we are taking time to nurture that growth within ourselves. So that's how we breathe. Not survive, but thrive and are living in a world of Geula now instead of in the goddess of the time, like just trying to keep our head above water. Just when I wrote that, you know, the, when the Jews were in the desert, like they didn't want to go to Eretz Israel because like it meant that they would have to do things. So my happy place is Mimer and the Chavrasa and like no restrictions of any, um, you know, responsibilities. So I really do as much as I can. What I did do is lower the expectation. It's not necessarily going to be a mimer, and it's not necessarily going to be a chavrusa, but if I'm reading, even stories of Hasidim, of the Tehidim, letters of the Rebbe, also a sheer once a week that I, you know, that I sign on, that has nothing to do with what I'm teaching. That's just for me to learn, obviously it ties in, but just learning Hasidus and whichever, when I can, whenever I can. It is my relationship to Hashem, and I feel that that always feels like I'm with Hashem and I'm learning because it's with Him and about Him and like, like dating Hashem or you know going out for coffee with Hashem, hearing, hearing from Him. So throughout this whole conversation, you really see that the feminine role very often is about like a total integration of our own ruffiness that impacts people around us in a way that could at times be extremely subtle. There's something so integrated about the way a woman impacts her home, impacts the world, and also impacts her own life and her own image. So looks like we are done. Thank you all for sharing and thank you all for joining us. First, woman as a soul in a human body. Then, woman as the foundation of the home. And finally, not least important, woman as leader in the world. What if those three identities aren't really three separate roles? What if we brought all parts of our human selves to our home? All parts of our home to our personal divine service and all parts of our internal work to the world? Our leadership is a direct extension of our headspace. We cannot help but warm others when we ourselves are aflame. Jewish femininity is about starting at the center, fanning the flame of your own soul and connection with God, and then watching as it naturally begins to warm those closest to you, to kindle the hearts of those in your home, to set the scaffolding for future souls, and then outward, welcoming a wider and wider circle, expanding the walls of your home, adding so much fuel to your internal fire that anyone you meet cannot help but feel warm. 
אלוקיי זקנינה בתורתך ובמצוותיך לחבר את נשמתי תמיד אליך Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at humanandholy or via email at humanandholy at gmail.com. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.